Evening, church. Let's turn your Bibles, if you have it with you. Turn to me to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. So it's Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. If you don't have it with you, it's on the screen. And let's, I'm going to read it for you. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let these little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who, who will not receive the kingdom of God like these little childs will never enter it. Verse 16, and Jesus took the children in his arms. He placed his hands over them and he blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. So we just had our first child dedication service in because, again, what I said to you before, parenthood is super hard. I thought it's going to be breezy, but the amount of time that she wakes you up at night, the amount of time that she surprises you, uh, the surprise that she has in her diaper for you, and, and the smell, and... <laughs> And this kid has no sense, my, my, especially my daughter, she has no sense of danger. And so she easily bumps her head on the wall and, and everything. And she has no sense of what hygiene is. And so there's many times I'm like, what's in your mouth? <laughs> what are you eating? Stop trying to eat daddy's toes. <laughs> Parenthood is hard. And, and I love as a church, as an Oikos church, as a family, we can pray for these parents and, and bless these kids. And you know what? We can learn a lot from little children. Because I learned so much from little children as well. And Jesus in this passage, he says, you know what? You got to be like a little child. Be like a child, in, in, like a child or else you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's so many times in my life as I observe little children, they just remind me how I should act towards my father. There's times when I see cranky kids and they're so cranky. Why? Because they're tired. But the moment they see their dad, they see their mom, they just run up to their mom and dad. And what their mom and dad do is kneel down, pick them up. And before you know it, the child is asleep. Because the child knows. Why can he sleep or he or she sleep so well? It's because that child knows that they're protected, that they're loved. There is no better place than in the arms of their parents. And there's many times where I see a child frustrated. This, this kid, I remember his name. Actually, I forgot his name, but I just remember he's a little boy. And he was, oh, Titus, Titus. Titus was his name. This is from my church in, in Brisbane. And he was trying to get into this, this lolly. He's trying to bite it. He's trying to rip it. And he's just throwing it on the ground like that's going to help. And he's just so frustrated. But the moment that he sees his dad... He runs up to his dad and without a word, he just, and you know what the dad does? The dad picks that wrapper and just rips it and gives him the lolly. Shouldn't we be like that when it comes to our problems in our lives? Shouldn't before we, we get frustrated and throw things and smash things around, shouldn't we just first look for our dad and, and present the problem to him? And I learned so much as well because Demi, he, she's a primary school teacher and and she, she's in a Christian school. <clears throat> and so I visited her school, Australian Christian College. 
And what happened is they were having worship time, and I'm just seeing these, these kids worship God. And then I think of how some adults worship God. They, they worship God like this, or like this. And I'm like, man, it's, I, I, I don't know what this is. This is crossing your arms, but I, I don't think this is worship. But then I'm looking at this kid, and where there was this one particular kid. His name's Noah. He's a South African kid. And, and while they were just singing like, you know, what was the song? I don't know what the song was, but it was it was just breaking out in dance move, and he was just like fully like, like, and, and he's like fully breaking out in dance move, and I'm like, man, I wish I can worship God that freely. There's a lot to learn from children. So, as a church, as an Oikos church, I never want us to ever look down on any children, because the kingdom of God belong to such as them. Now, let's go back in time and, and, and look into our passage of what happened in Mark chapter 10. But before we dig in, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for children. Lord, we thank you that you're a good father. Lord, I pray that you send the Holy Spirit here for us today. And Lord, just renew in our hearts. Teach us new things. Lord, may we experience your love in such a real, real way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 13. It says, people, so pretty much parents, were bringing kids to Jesus in droves. And so there was a lot of people bringing their kids to Jesus. Now, why were they bringing their kids to Jesus? Now, just imagine if you were one of the parents back in those times where you had a child of your own. And as every parent, naturally, you just want the best for your child, do you not? If, if your child could pick between a good school or a bad school, you want your child to go to the good school. So these parents, they're just normal parents, average parents, just like us, who wants the best for their child. And so they, they hear about this story about this man. This man named Jesus, he was deemed a special rabbi. People were calling him a, a prophet. People were calling him, oh, that's the Messiah. But, but they don't know yet. But all they know is that they, and they've seen in evidence that this man is powerful because everything that he speaks becomes true. He's, his hands were so powerful that he was spitting on the dirt. He grabs some dirt and then he, he mixes it and he puts it on someone's eyes and then they're seeing Lepers been coming to him and he touches the lepers and now these lepers are in string tops, sunbaking, showing off their new skin. And this man, whatever he lays his hands on, people were bringing the sick to him as he lays his hand on them. Diseases and even demons were being cast out left, right and center. And remember last week, if you were here, I was preaching about in Mark chapter 5 how there was a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus. He goes and he falls at the feet of Jesus, begging Jesus, Jesus, I have a 12 years old daughter. She is dying. She is very sick to the point of dying. She's only 12. You need to come to my house. You need to come to my house and lay your hands on her so she, that she'll be healed and that she'll, be, and that she'll live. 
And so Jesus says, okay, and he walks towards the house of Jairus. But then before they get even to the house, people are already coming out saying, don't bother Jesus. He's already dead. You are too late. You are too late. But Jesus still comes into that house. And what he does is he places his hands over Jairus' daughter. He picks her up by the hand and he says, little girl, get up. And before you know it, this girl, she wakes up, she's walking, she's talking, and she's eating all because Jesus laid his hand upon her. And so these parents, they're hearing all these miracles and they want the best for their kids because they know exactly how powerful those hands are. And so they also want to bring their kids to Jesus so Jesus can lay his hands over them because they exactly know how powerful those hands are. Now, for us, in hindsight, we know exactly how powerful those hands are. Imagine for us, as we dedicate our kids today, you know what we're doing? We are placing them under the hand of God. Now, imagine, parents, you having your child under the hand of God, the, under the protective hand and of an almighty God. How reassuring is that? Because that, that assures me. So what happens is these parents in droves were bringing their kids to Jesus. And the Bible says what happened next is the disciples were rebuking these parents. Hey, 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 no, no, the teachers don't have time for that. Jesus don't have time for that. Stop bringing your kids. Now, you don't see this in the English, but in the Greek, the word rebuke is very strong. What happened is these guys were, were angry about it. They were aggressive about it. They were protesting about it. I don't know what they were saying. Stop interrupting him. He doesn't have time for this. But they were just ripping into these parents. That's what they were doing. They were just so angry about it. So as people bring, they were like, no, no. Just, I, I don't know how to act angry because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. <laughs> Why were these disciples so angry? Why were they so against parents bringing their kids to Jesus? Isn't that a beautiful thing? But why were these guys, these 12 guys, so mad about it and not chillax about it? Two reasons. One, it's because of culture. And the second reason is because of religion. So first off, culture-wise, they lived in... The Roman Greco world, where childhood was an insignificant part of anyone's life. Children back then mean nothing. They were property. They could be discarded. Often when children, they don't want children, they would just often discard the child in, in the dumps or outside of the city. Now, if you watch the movie 300, it's like that. So any Spartan that finds that their child have defects, they would just throw them off the cliff. That's, that's what children are worth. They just get thrown out if the parents didn't want them. And most of the time, if these children survive, what happened is they will find themselves ending up in slavery. For boys, it's becoming a gladiator. Or for girls, it's sadly often becoming prostitutes. That's just how the first world um, back then worked. In 1 BC, a soldier by the name of Hilarion, he would, they, they, they found this letter uh, about a soldier named Hilarion writing a letter to his pregnant wife. And pretty much in that letter, it's preserved, and, and pretty much the letter says this, If it's a boy, let it live. 
if it's a girl, cast it out. Why? Because girls were just a financial burden. Because they can't own property, they can't own land. But at least boys, they can inherit, they can at least get a job. It was just how that world was. It was bad to be a kid back in those times. The mortality rate of children was so high because they didn't care about children that much. But before we judge the Roman world, we got to look at our own society because sadly, I don't see much difference. Because sadly, our culture today, the love of kids have been greatly reduced. Have you not noticed? Just look at an individual family household. You'll see one kid, two kids, three kids usually max because it just fits a right car. But back then, back in your grandfather's days, man, you'll hear him, oh yeah, I had eight brothers and five sisters. And that was a normal thing. Why? Because kids today have become the term, they're a pain. They're a burden. Especially a financial burden. We can't afford kids. But then you look at your grandpa's day. Man, they had nothing and they had a lot of kids. Why is that? It's because our culture is changing. We say, yes, child protection law and and everything. But people are having less and less kids. And then what happened is um, back in the Roman culture days, there was child trafficking. But still, sadly, today, I, it, did you know that it is, it is increasing? It is a growing industry? As you know, two weeks ago, I was in Indonesia. And I was just driving up this mountain range to visit some vo- volcano crater. And, and I saw all the sceneries. And, and, and in that van, I remember pointing to these little houses. I'm like, oh, are those little hotels? They look so nice along the street, all along the street, nice hotels. But then my tour guide said to me, actually, this is a red light district. Look, yeah, the scenery might be nice, but... This is where a lot of child trafficking happens. And yes, the scenery was beautiful, but knowing that news, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And as I was reading this text, I feel that sometimes we as people, we sweep this under the very rug, uh, like under the rug, and, and we try to ignore it. But when we read this passage, we plainly see in this passage, children are infinitely valuable to our God. But we live in a day and age where society has legalized, sanctioned, authorized, and endorsed the murder of at least 50 million babies per year. 50 million babies per year. Outcasted and thrown away from their mother's womb. I was driving my car a few months back and I just had this gut-wrenching feeling when I heard on the radio about what happened in New York. That they have legalized abortion to the very day that the child is due. It is legal, even though the child is fully grown, has hair, can, has fingers, functioning brain, everything. But that child can be cast out. And having a daughter of my own, that just got, under my, that got really under my skin. And yes, I know there's arguments. There's, what if the mother was raped? What if there was a health issue 
that, that the child was going to die or, or that the mother was going to die. Okay, I, I know all that. But sadly, the majority of abortion, if people are really honest, it is purely out of convenience. Because in the name of convenience, they kill their baby. And there, there's still people that argue, oh, it's, it's the mother's choice. We're pro-choice. They call it pro-choice, but I'm, I'm just thinking, where is the choice of the baby? Some couples, because they can't keep it in their pants, they think as long as we get an abortion, we won't be parents. But that's not true. Because abortion only makes them parents of a murdered baby. And here in this passage, Jesus for us models how he views kids and how he treats kids. And please note, Oikos Church, as we go over the scripture here, we have to see how the world treats kids and how we should treat kids. One was a target for, for abuse and, and murder, but the other, God's view is, children are the object of his love, care, and concern. And look what Jesus does. When the disciples were stopping the kids coming to him, verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was indignant. Again, you don't see this in the English, but in the Greek, he is expressing anger. This is a strong language type of word. And we know in the Bible, Jesus doesn't get angry that often, but when he's angry, it's definitely something that he cares a lot about. This isn't a small insignificant issue. No, no, this is a big deal to him. And so you listen up, church. You listen up, youth. Here's why he's angry. Because a few verses before this event took place, what happened was the disciples were on the road arguing who was the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Peter's like, no, I'm the greatest. And John's like, no, I'm the greatest. And Judas like, I'm good with money. I'm the greatest. I don't know what they were saying, but they were, they were saying what Muhammad Dali said, I am the greatest. And I don't know what he said, but they were arguing about that. And Jesus asked, what were you arguing about? And they're like trying to keep silence, but Jesus already knows because he's God. And he says, you know, you were arguing about who the greatest is. Let me tell you who the greatest is. Whoever wants to be first must become last and be a servant of all. And when he said that, the disciples were still having confused looks on their faces. And so Jesus, he, it's, the Bible says this, he takes a child and he puts it in their midst. He puts him in the very center. Spotlight is on the child. And then he says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me and welcomes the one who sends me. And then in Matthew's account, there's a little bit more to that. And then Jesus gives them a warning. If anyone causes these little ones who believe in me to sin, it is better for him to find the largest rock that he can and tie it around his neck and jump down in the deepest part of the ocean. Now that is an open-ended threat. There is a curse waiting for you if you are to stop or hinder a child coming to Christ. You do not want to stand in the way of an almighty God who, who loves his kids. You don't want to stand in the middle. And here, these disciples, they're exactly doing that. They are right 
in the middle of that. And in verse 14, Jesus says, do not hinder them. Sadly, it's adults. It's people that are older than the kids. Still to today, hinders the faith of the child. Some of us need to repent. Maybe we were arguing with our spouse in the presence of our child. They see, kids are not dumb, they see their parents go to church, sing hallelujah and everything, but at home, if their parents are fighting, if, if the father is disrespecting the mom or the mom is belittling the dad in the presence of that child, do you know what? Most of the time, that's what stops people from, kids from ever believing that there is a God. Mom, dad, you, you're leaders of the church, but at home, you're so different. Kids know that. Youth, I'm talking to you guys now because kids look up to you. Be careful what you say because they are watching you and listening to you. When there is crude jokes, when there are things that shouldn't be said, are said, they catch that. Church, do not stand in the way of a child in Jesus. Jesus becomes indignant and he says, do not hinder them. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That means there is a place for heaven for them. Now what Jesus said, we, we just read as, as a passing comment, but what Jesus said would have shocked the crowd, shocked the 12 disciples, shocked all the parents, shocked all the religious leaders if they were there listening, because what he said was very unconventional. What he said was almost like, what? You said, what? Because back then there was what the Pharisees taught the, the Jewish leaders taught that you have to earn your salvation. You have to do things for your salvation. You have to keep to the law. You have to know what's evil and good. You have to separate what is clean and unclean. And kids, they don't have any idea of that. Kids, they do not belong in heaven because they can't earn anything. They have no good works. They have no merits to earn themselves a spot in heaven. And so that's what these Pharisees and teachers were taught. And so that's what the, the disciples were taught. And here Jesus says, no, 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 no. Heaven belongs to them. And if you guys don't become like them, then you know what? There is no place for you in heaven. That would have shocked them. Because it's true, kids, they don't know what's clean and unclean. Errol was putting anything in her mouth. Like my foot. She doesn't know where my foot's been. She doesn't care. She doesn't know. But here what Jesus is doing is he's illustrating something bigger. What Jesus is really doing here is he's illustrating the gospel. Why? Because that's exactly what salvation is like. It's not through works. It's not through deeds. It's not through merits. No, 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 no. You come like a child. Fully dependent on God. Salvation is grace and grace alone. Jesus illustrates to them the gospel. You know what? You can do nothing. There is also nothing that you can bring, but bring yourself and run into the embrace of your God. 
That's all you could do. So be like a child. Be like a child. And there's three things I want to leave with the parents tonight. Three parenting advices. Three very quick examples that is found in verse 16. Look what Jesus does. So he, he pushes the disciples away. Don't hinder them. Let them come to me. And first off in verse 16, look, as the disciples were trying to push them away, it says Jesus took them in his arms. Say that to your neighbor. Jesus took them. Jesus took them. Now that word took means much more than he's taking. No, no. It means he took them in his arms and he embraced them. He accepts them, embraces them. We live in a culture. We live in a culture that don't care about kids. But here Jesus embraces kids. So parents, embrace your kids. Accept them for who they are. Their personality, their character, their, their quirks. Stop comparing your kids with all the other kids. Your kid is unique. You embrace them for all they are. Growing up, don't you wish your kids, don't you wish your parents would just be proud of you and accept who you are? Two, second. As he embraces, he picks them up, he embraces them. It says he also laid his hands over them. Now the act of laying of hands could mean a lot of things in the Bible. It means, but, but here it's ex- expressing affirmation. Parents, embrace your kids and affirm them. Because if you don't affirm them, the world will. Laying on of hands or could also mean encouragement. It could also mean a sign of protection, of provision. Provide for your kids. My, my dad, I used to really, I'll use the word hate, because why he never spent time with me. And I hated that until I grew older. But all he was trying to do was provide for me. Provide for me and my family because we were refugees and, and we came to Australia and my dad, we, we had nothing. We only had the clothes on our backs and I've, that's it. And my dad would work morning shift and night shift and he would get paid $5 an hour at a restaurant. He would do everything to provide for us. And so I'm hearing all these friends that go on holidays, they're all these friends who get to go to the beach, but my dad is never home. I'm like, Dad, where are you? How come you never spend time with us? All he does is, yes, he eats with us, but, but that's it. But again, as I grew older, I remember Dad would bring home this Woolies chicken. You know how cheap Woolies chickens are. And he would give me the drumstick because he always knows that I love the drumstick. And the whole family's eating. Me, mom, my sisters and brothers. But Dad is just standing there, just watching. I'm like, Dad, you're not going to eat as well? Dad says, no, I've already eaten. Then I go out to play and then I come back. 
And then I see my dad sucking on those bones. He hasn't eaten. He was just trying his best to provide for his kids. Don't be too hard on your parents when they don't spend time with you. They are trying their best. And when you have kids of your own, you understand it's hard to provide for your children in this world where finding jobs is very hard. Cut back on all the branded name stuff. You don't need that stuff. Laying on of hands could also mean impartation. Investing in. You have something in you and you want to impart it on your child. Parents, are you laying hands on your child? You're not just, yes, you're giving them the physical touch when you embrace them. (coughs) But are you also investing into them, investing into their lives? Laying on of hands could also mean anointing. Do Do you anoint your child? And thirdly, and then I'll get the band to come up. Jesus, he embraces them. He lays his hands on them. And Jesus blesses them. He blesses them. We need a church who just doesn't, you know, physic- not just physically there for their kids. But we also need church mothers and fathers who speak life into their kids. Speak life over their kids. Speak a blessing over them. Because if you don't speak into the life, you know what? The enemy will. The enemy will. Blessed in the Greek word, it means speak well of. When was the last time you spoke well over your child? Because sometimes when we say, oh, my kids are the worst. My kids so dumb. You know, one day they will hear that and they will be so hurt by it. And I'm sure many of us growing up, we would have heard some very hurtful words from our parents. No, but no, let's, let's, be, let's be parents who speak life and a blessing over our kids. Don't just wait for your pastor to pray a blessing over your child. No, no, you yourself embrace hands on your kids and you speak life over them. Because I do that for Ariel every night. Every night I am praying over her. Lord, may she have leadership. Uh, Lord, may may she get to know you at a young age, serve you, love you. Lord, may you keep the boys away from her. 21 years old is a good age to date. And Lord, may she just find the right guy straight away. Like, no. That's what I'm talking over my daughter. And that's okay. That's okay. we, We should be doing that. And again, I am so thankful and grateful to God that I grew up in such a godly home. Again, my everyone, my dad's illiterate, but my mom (coughs) knows how to read a bit of Vietnamese. And so every night as kids, I remember gathering at night and mom will open her Vietnamese Bible and she'll read to us. She'll read all these stories to the kids. And she only stopped that once we grew up and could read the Bible for ourselves. And then we will gather back together and dad will ask, hey, what's the prayer points? And dad would be the one that prays for the family and he blesses the family. Then we say the Lord's Prayer and then he, we, we finish off with the song. We did that every single night. Me growing up, 
that was my environment of growing up. My parents are my heroes. Now that I'm 30, every time I go back to Brisbane to, to visit my parents, you know what the thing I look forward to most is to be able to sit on the edge of dad's bed and him praying over me and blessing me. But now I also bring my little daughter, Ariel. Dad, you have to bless and lay a hand on Ariel and bless her as well. We can create such an environment for our kids, church. Do that. Try it out. You're not going to lose anything. So church, three things we can learn from Jesus. Embrace our kids, lay our hands on them, and bless them. And as now we come to the time of Holy Communion, I'm sorry to those of you who didn't grow up in a family such as I, whose parents never spoke good of them, whose parents never really embraced them. I'm sorry. But I want you to know there's good news because you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. loves you because you are his child and you are so loved. You are so precious to him. And he proved that love by going on the cross and dying for your sins as his body was broken, as his blood was was spilt. There on the cross, he is open arms. Today, as God's children, may we come to the cross and just let him embrace us. Those of you who, who didn't experience good parenthood, let Jesus embrace you because he accepts you for all you are. I pray that as, as we take the Holy Communion today, you actually feel his hand upon your life. His hand of protection, his hand of anointing, his hand of impartation. And lastly, I want to know you to know that you are blessed. You are blessed. Because Jesus is now at the right hand of God and He intercedes for us. And I'm not talking about blessing where it's like wealth and health. No, no, no. The blessing that you will have, that you guys have, is God being with you and God being for you. That is true blessing. So let's be embraced by him. Let his hands cover you. And may you hear the words of blessing that he has on you. You are mine. You are mine. Your sins are forgiven. Stop letting things hinder you. There is nothing that can stop my love towards you. There is nothing that can separate us. No time, no demons, no, no nothing in this all creation can separate my love from you. May you hear that, church. God bless you.